0: Hey, what is going on? Eric Bach, your host of the Look Great Naked podcast. And today, I sit down with Cody McBroom. Cody is the founder and CEO of the Tailored Coaching Method. On this call, we talk about reverse dieting, the specific process that you need to follow if you have been dieting to avoid fat gain. You see, what happens for most people is they focus so aggressively on losing weight, as soon as they hit their goal, game over. They're gonna eat everything in sight. But when you do this, your body is actually uniquely set up To gain a massive amount of body fat. So if you want to be able to prevent that, you need to learn how to do the reverse diet specifically. Now, if you're getting value directly from this podcast, all that we ask is you drop us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you're enjoying this episode, tag at Bach Performance and share this episode directly on Instagram. We will select one winner for a special prize from our friends over at Legion Athletics. Now
1: for today's show with Cody McGrew. My daughter is five and a half now, so okay. which is funny, man. I think people always say, um, "What is it? Terrible twos or whatever." And I feel like yeah. threes were to be honest, not to like, <laughs> say no this to you right now, but I feel <laughs> like threes were more difficult than twos, honestly.
0: You know what? That's been our experience as well. And don't get me wrong; most of the time, it's it's great, it's fantastic. But meltdowns with a little bit more conscious thought applied yeah. to them are that much more frustrating as a parent um, and and trying to really refine that communication component. But Mm -hmm. you know, that's what coaching is, right? And so I try to, uh, (laughs) try not to overcoach my daughter, but at the same time, like, you know what, some of these same, same principles mentally can help um, try to get some of the right behaviors going on and and all that fun stuff. And, you know, getting getting young kids to eat healthy is also a a fun chore, even when you do that for other people
1: professionally. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, uh, having a daughter helped me coach my clients better. You see so many similarities of not to like make my clients sound like babies, but uh, there's so many similarities with just little things that you notice and how you have to overly communicate things and really think harder before you act or before you talk or before you, um, I don't know, have the empathy for people. And it's its taught me a lot inside my coaching, but no, and I 100% agree. I, I was definitely one of those dads uh, or I should say pre-dad before I had, my daughter's going to eat organic and is going to eat super healthy. And like, I'm going to create an athlete. And then you have them. And then as they get older and they start more easily um, talking back or saying they don't want something or they know what they like and don't like, you're like, okay, just have the pop tart, whatever, just (laughs) eat this, get some food in you. And, uh, and we'll, we'll sprinkle in some of the good stuff. Um, you know as we go,
0: yeah. Well, you know, there's a quote on this that I love, and it's like, Good habits are not taught, they are caught. I was very much the same way. I'm like, Yeah, my daughter's gonna eat, you know, this perfect diet and get all these things going on, and then reality slaps you in the face, right? And so, for me, it's been, Yeah, like, where can we bridge the gap where we can start to tie in food so it can be healthier and, and get her acquainted with them where she has openness in terms of her palate and what she's willing to try. And over time, she's gradually going to continue making better choices as you know, we continue to model better choices as a parent, and, and like you said with my clients has helped me develop a new level of of empathy. Looking at my business the breakdown of it as well, I would say before I became a father, my business was 80% men. Now it's probably 55% men, 45% women. And nothing's really changed overtly in terms of our marketing. It's just like I must have communicated a different level of empathy and understanding that I previously didn't. You know, coming from the more or less hardcore strength and conditioning teenage world that uh, that I came from, you know.
1: Yeah. 100%, man. Although my demographic hasn't changed much since having a daughter, I can definitely relate in just how I've coached. And um, I, I love that uh, quote, habits aren't taught, they're caught. That's that's powerful, man. And, you know, because I, I can even think of things that um, for me, my daughter loves drinking a greens drink in the morning. And it was not because I ever got her To do it or tried to get her to do it it was just because she saw mommy and daddy doing it every morning and it was a part of our routine that we liked you can actually gamify this for the parents listening this is like something that like helped me my daughter loves broccoli out of all things and she'll just eat it raw dude she'll just start snacking on it it's crazy i don't even like it what i would start doing at the dinner table is every time i'd eat greens i'd just start flexing at the dinner table and she thought it was hilarious but she wanted to flex and i'm like well got to eat greens if you're going to flex at the table. And so she would start like trying greens and now she just loves it. And she still does the flex every once in a while. But realistically, she just always likes having a green on her, her plate now. Usually it's broccoli or snap peas, but she loves it, you know, she loves hummus with it and stuff like that too. But it's just cool because that's an exact example of what you said, you know, habits aren't taught, they're caught. And I didn't even know about that quote before doing those things, but it just goes to show the way you act in front of others is going to rub off on them, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest gifts in terms of fitness that we can give to other people. I think a lot of people get stuck in terms of a limiting belief and trying to stay motivated. And one of the primary reasons is they don't attach a deeper motivation to how improving their health is going to improve everything else, right? Mm -hmm. Like fitness literally improves how efficient your body is at a cellular level. So if you want to show up better at work, be more productive, have more energy for your kids, it's understanding and being able to tie in, hey, if I go in and do this workout that... I really don't fucking want to do, I'm going to feel great at the end. And it's going to provide a benefit for these other things I care about more. And when we can can communicate that directly, you know, to the people that are in front of us, it helps them kind of bridge that gap because you and I, like I can live in the gym literally on the other side of that wall. Like I'm just going to go play around. It's a toy, you know, it's, it's having a great time. But for most people, it's like fitness needs to be that thing that improves their life. Doesn't become a big detractor or an additional stress point, particularly when so many people are stressed out already
1: yeah I 100% agree man we we often talk about in our company like our whole idea is we help average people achieve above average physiques and live above average lives but at above average life is the is the main aspect it's why we call the podcast the tailored life podcast because everything centers around fitness and nutrition in the beginning and I've always said that that's kind of the vehicle for changes everywhere else in your life and you've probably experienced this with a lot of people too but I've had so many clients over the years that I just help them with fitness and nutrition but then they would tell me they're got a raise at work and they, they contribute that raise to what we're doing. And I'm like, I'm just helping you lose weight. But then you start digging a little bit deeper and you realize, you know, it built more confidence. They lost weight. Then they had better energy. They were getting better sleep. They started actually prioritizing all these other aspects that lead to better success with their job, with their marriage, with their parenting, with their personal development. It encouraged them to keep growing. It built discipline and willpower and grit all these things we need to rely on more than motivation because motivation is fleeting. We're not always going to have the highest level of motivation. And when you're not motivated, you rely on that discipline to still do the work even when you don't want to do it, you know, because it gets you the result you want at the end of the day. But I couldn't agree more, man. We, we push that message so often because everybody I know who uh, really commits to a long term transformation with their physical fitness and commits to a more lifestyle of this stuff ends up transforming every other area of their life because of it. It's just the catalyst. To it.
0: Yeah, it really is because the habits, the things that you establish beyond the physiological changes that happen inside your body, you build a discipline, you build a grit. You know, we have a lot, lot of conversations on a daily basis with people on Instagram, whatever platform that, you know, we have different, you know, marketing campaigns, whatever going on. And one way I phrase this is like, hey, did you go to work today? Or were you motivated to go to work? Or did you just get up and do it out of habit? And ultimately, we have to ascribe that same level of discipline to our body because we'll do it to make money. We'll do it to put the food on the table, but will we do it to be able to show up as the person that we want to be, to have the energy that we need to become the person that we want, the parent that we want, the business owner, whatever it is, making that connection and understanding how these habits carry over and transcend it to different areas of our life is such a crucial component to dialing in that long-term consistency. Now, speaking of long-term consistency, one, you're prolific in terms of your content and not only on Instagram, but how many podcast episodes are you up to?
1: I think this week we had uh, 940 39 aired on Monday. So wow! A bit. Yeah, that's incredible.
0: And suffice to say, how good were you on the first one? Oh, I was
1: terrible, dude. It sounded <laughs> it's so bad. How about number one hundred? Probably still bad, if, if I'm being honest, you know, much better, but probably still, I mean, compared to where things are at today, definitely still bad.
0: Yeah. And the reason I'm asking that question is how many times do people think they need all the right answers right away? Like, listen, it's going to be ugly in the beginning. It's going to be ugly. Whether you're creating new content in the business, whether you are just trying to get started in the gym, you're not going to have all the answers. And if you wait until you have those answers, it's going to be very difficult to really start taking the steps that you want moving forward. Cody, you just wrapping up a show a couple of weeks ago, correct?
1: Mm -hmm. At this point, honestly, like two, eight weeks ago, November, I I stepped on stage. Yep. Wow. Tell
0: me about that experience.
1: Yeah, man. uh, It was good. That was my second show. Um, And, you know, I want to point out something real quick, just because you hit on such a good point. And I think that I just, I have to echo this because I was just talking about this the other day with somebody, but there was a meta analysis on um just weight loss in general like the best like how people sustain weight loss what are the common traits of this right and one of them was delayed gratification and delayed gratification is this idea that i'm going to do something and i don't really know the immediate roi but i know eventually it's going to pay off right and that's the most one of the most common traits of people who lose weight and sustain it or build muscle or change their physique and they sustain it long term and i was thinking about this in real in in being relative to the conversation around the little kids, right? And, and so like my daughter, for example, she, I had to barter with her to get her to try pizza, right? And she was like, I hate pizza. Yep. I'm like, you hate pizza? Have you ever had pizza? No. Okay, well then how do you hate it? Well, I just hate it. I know. And so I like, you know, barter. I try to get her to do it. Once I finally got her to eat pizza, now she wants pizza every night for dinner, right? It's the same thing with steak. She didn't want steak, hate steak. And then she tried to slice a steak, loved it, right? And so much like that are... Our clients and people want to lose weight and the reason I find is because in the beginning you can't actually imagine so she couldn't imagine the taste of pizza we can because we know what pizza is we know that it's good we've heard enough people say it's amazing to understand that pizza tastes really good most people don't have the amount of self-belief to imagine themselves 20 30 40 50 pounds lighter so they can't imagine that result so that like delayed gratification is almost impossible because right now they have to take action on something that is challenging and it's going to push them and be uncomfortable and they're hoping for a result that they can't even actually Actually, believe in or pretend to imagine, right? They don't understand what the ROI is. And so they're gambling on faith in this idea that a coach or somebody like you or I is telling them, like, dude, I promise you, it's worth it. It's going to pay off. You just got to be patient, right? And so I think that's one of the most difficult things for people is that they don't actually understand the ROI. And it's understandable because all they know in that moment is what their emotions are feeding them, which is this is challenging, this is hard, this is going to require some sacrifice and some discipline and some investments on my end right they don't understand the payoff yet does that make sense
0: it definitely makes sense and you know you bring in the emotional component that's one of the hardest things about it and that's one of the frankly darker sides of the fitness industry right Um, Mm -hmm. changing your health is a very emotional thing because it's tied into your self-concept your self-belief the reflection that you see in the mirror, the outfits that you wear, the things that you do or don't do socially based on how you perceive others are perceiving you. One of the most difficult things, I think, for a lot of coaches is coaches spend all this time learning the nuts and bolts, the data, the research to become a great coach. But if their message doesn't connect with somebody on an emotional level, where they are at that moment, they're easily lost. And I find that a lot of people actually get dis- disenchanted with the fitness industry because they're like, oh, it's it's so complicated. There's only this way or only this way based on a way that people market. And then they're unsure of what potential step to take and add in the fact that maybe they feel guilt. They feel ashamed. They don't feel comfortable in the gym based on like gym fail videos that they see all over mm. um, on Instagram. And it becomes a very difficult place for people to take those steps and to get them rolling in the right direction. We'll circle back to your competition in a minute, but I think we've got a good thread here. What would you say to somebody who's trying to overcome that barrier, trying to get started, but has many of these same fears?
1: Man, I, I think that, you know, I, I often try to use analogies. So I will all like, kind of pick at, I don't know if pick at's the right word, but almost interview the person, right? And really ask them and try to pick apart and dig deeper of like other situations in their life that they had to do something similar in a different area of their life. And it paid off. Cause I want them to remember that feeling. You know, it's kind of like uh, jobs to be done, if anybody knows what that is. And it's like, uh, that's where they came up with like the Snickers commercial, right? And it's like, uh, hungry, you grab Snickers. And it's like, Dandy DeVito's all angry and stuff. And then they take a bite and it's like this cute lady who's really sweet and nice actually, once she, Cures the hunger. But what they did to come up with those commercials was they interviewed people who were at airports and they found that Snickers was the most satisfying, quick snack that they could grab in an airport. So often that's where people bought them. And then they kind of put this whole storyline together. So similar to that, I'm going to ask them questions about their past. Where were you when this happened? What was the feeling? How was the situation panning out? And all those things so that they could really put themselves in that moment um, and we've done this to ask clients why they even hired us to begin with right and we found that a lot of people and this is a really good uh, we use this line I don't know if I should be giving this marketing tip away but we use this line in our marketing all the time is is finally look like you work out like actually look like you work out because when we started asking people you know where were you when you applied for coaching what were you looking at where were you searching what were you what platform were you on what post did you read like what was the moment and we'd ask all these questions and like so many of the people we ha- interviewed hundreds of people in these like forms. And I just bought a bunch of Starbucks card to give them. Right. And a lot of them said the vast majority of them said something along the lines of I just finally want to look like I work out. So we like honed in on that, but it came from us asking questions about their past and where they were in the situation so they could get that emotion from a situation that they understood the delayed gratification or they understood the emotion, they understood the experience and there was no like missing link or situation that wasn't there yet. And so I would do something similar with these people and ask them about other areas in their life where there was a big payoff when they got uncomfortable and they stepped into the fire, so to speak, right? And also try to eliminate the emotional by bringing in the logical. And this is difficult for somebody to do on their own. But if you ever ask somebody in those moments, like what's the worst that can happen? Or if you feel that way in the gym, if you, and people might've heard this before, if you feel like that person over there staring at you and thinking like how dumb you look when you're trying to do that exercise that you don't really know how to do, what do you like, what do you think the chances are that they are actually thinking something pretty similar in their head that they're trying a new exercise or they just bought a new stringer tank and they're actually really insecure in it. Right. And it's like whatever it may be. And I can even relate to that. Like I remember buying my first stringer tank and then being like, man, this is dumb. My nipples are popping out all the time. I feel weird wearing this. Like I might've looked Jack cause I was about to get on stage for a physique show and it, but that wasn't the case. You know, in my mind, I'm like, I'm being stared at. Everybody thinks the same thing. So it's like, let's bring everybody down the same playing field and just talk the logical to this person because the emotional side is dominating their thought process and dominating their actions or their lack of actions. They're not moving forward because all they're doing is being stuck in that emotional side state. And if we remove that and just think of the logical here, right? Like what's the worst that can happen? What are the actual probability that you'll see that person that you think is staring at you saying those things ever again? What's the probability of that person actually thinking the same thing about you? They think you're looking at them thinking they look stupid, right? Like go through all these scenarios. And then it's kind of like, not to say that they feel dumb, but in a way you start asking yourself these questions. You're like, yeah, I feel kind of dumb even thinking this, this is stupid. I'm holding myself back because of these stupid stories in my head. And then we can unravel that and encourage them to go do it.
0: No, that's, that's incredible communication, right? And yeah, people get so wrapped up thinking that they're being judged by somebody else across the room that they don't even want to show up when reality is almost everybody is having that same thought at some point. And so everyone is uniquely stuck inside their own head thinking that somebody else is judging me based on the way that I'm exercising, based on what I'm wearing, whatever the problem could be, that they're not worried about you. Mm-hmm. And that can be a very freeing thought to realize everyone's kind of going through that same thing. And the reality is, we're all just trying to do our own thing here. And when we can start to overcome that, the gym can be incredibly powerful, connecting place with a lot of, you know, positive people that'll actually help you and reinforce a lot of the things that you're working on. I find that it's actually something that's been lost a little bit, especially now that everyone always has headphones in, in the gym, right? Like yeah. there's no sense of community in most gyms where people just dial into their own thing and then they just stay stuck in their head a little bit more. Whereas like, personally, when I'm working out, I'll put my headphones in for a set, but in between sets, like I'm going to take them off. I'm going to talk to people, whatever it is. Cause again, building those relationships, you might learn a thing or two creates a space where it becomes that third place besides work, besides home, where you enjoy going because you connect with more people and it becomes something that's also improving your health at the same time.
1: You know, more often than not, people are really nice in the gym too. Like it's, it's, even when you have to ask somebody like some they have to take off their headphones, usually they, they there might be like in the moment and their face is like, you know, grinding and then they'll like, yeah. you, like, Oh yeah, absolutely. I can help you. Like they're usually super, super nice. And I find like this whole idea of the judgment thing, it, it's a very similar aspect with uh, insecurities that people face. Um, I think it was Alex ramosi that I saw initially write this, but he wrote something along the lines of uh, your insecurities belong to somebody else realize this and you can eliminate them. I thought about that. And it's like any insecurity that most people have typically comes from a judgment of somebody else either a somebody was judging themselves publicly so they were talking about themselves poorly and you heard it and it rubbed off on you or b they were judging you and you took on that insecurity mind you that person judged you walked away stopped thinking about you entirely and now you're stuck with that insecurity in your head and you turn that judgment of theirs into a judgment of your own which is not fair and at the end of the day it doesn't make it true Right. And so, if you can think of your insecurities in this way, you can start to work on yourself better and determine if that even matters to you. The thing you're insecure about is it about a judgment? And if that person was judging you, do you really care about that person? Like, do they matter to you? Or is it somebody you don't even know? And then it's completely irrelevant. But again, these are all like a, this is just to go to show coaching and fitness and nutrition. There's so much emotional aspects involved with it. So much of it is psychological. And I think the more capable a coach is of talking to people about these things, much of which is like therapy, you're asking questions, right? Like, is that insecurity really your thought? Or is that somebody else's judgment? I'm just asking, they're going to unravel or peel the onion, so to speak, which is like old term in the personal training world, you know, yeah, like they're going to do that for you. And then they discover their own outcome. They discover their own answer and they eliminate the emotional story in their head, which is usually false.
0: Yeah. And in most cases, people want to discover what the answer is people may say that they want to be told what it is but what they want is they want the right information so they can apply it and see how it really fits into what they're doing similar to getting negotiating with kids to try to get them to eat some healthy food right like they want to feel like it's their idea good luck yelling at your child to say eat the broccoli like i'm sorry Everyone's lost their cool. It doesn't work. A much better option is, yeah, gamify. Make it a little bit fun. Ask a few questions. Start to develop deeper understanding and lead them in the right direction. And that's going to lead to the outcome that we are looking for. Cody, circling back. This is your second
1: show. How old were you for your first show? I think I was 21, maybe 21. 22. I'm trying to... I, I, w- I looked back at it. It was like 2014. And so I must have been... Yeah, it was like twenty one, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm terrible at math. I'm thirty one right now, and it's twenty twenty four. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, like, what's the difference between getting that lean, twenty one, twenty two, versus thirty one with a bigger business with kids? Like, did this develop like a new level of empathy? for your clients mm-hmm. to it's have a different understanding of the way that even somebody who's dialed in, who has an incredible basis of knowledge from which to pull from, like how different was this preparation method?
1: Yeah, man, it was, it was night and day different. And so in two ways too, the first show I did, I was very, I was a personal trainer and I was not a nutritionist at all yet. And so I hired somebody, I still hired somebody this time. Cause I think if you're going to go that far, you should probably have a coach. I did the show and gained all the way back, like real quick. I made the mistake of setting up a cruise with my girlfriend at the time. (laughs) The day after, (laughs) terrible idea. All you can eat and drink for a week on a cruise to Mexico was not a smart idea when you're shredded after a competition. But I didn't have, I didn't track macros. I didn't understand calories in versus calories out. I mean, this is this is like metabolic damage was just starting to be talked about by Lane Norton. He was sitting in a lawn chair by his pool on YouTube. Like this is how long ago it was. Yeah. And uh, I remember like digging into that research and in, in, well, it wasn't even research at the time. Actually, it was just him and a couple others like Eric Helms and such talking about this idea and reverse dieting um, after I gained all this weight back because I didn't understand what was going on. I followed the meal plan, got shredded, said, see you later, coach. I'm good now. And then went back to eating normal. And lo and behold, I gained a bunch of weight. So that actually caused me to go get certified as a nutrition coach and then go into a, um, a long term plan to become a, a nutritionist and then eventually a sports nutritionist. Like I just went really deep into the nutrition realm once that happened because I saw what it did both on the forefront of I was training hard for years. And then I just tweaked my diet and boom, got shredded. It was like, wow, the power of nutrition is pretty crazy. And then on the yeah. other side, if you don't understand hormones and the metabolism and how to get out of a diet properly, you're not going to sustain the result. So that motivated me to to go chase the educational side of it. But it was also a big uh, mind fuck, man. I remember like taking out mirrors in my house and not weighing myself because I was just so depressed that I gained all this weight back after so much hard work. So this time it was nice to be able to go into the reverse with you know, the motivation of documenting it for my audience and for my clients and showing them how to do it properly. Um, I'm up 10 pounds since I got on stage, but I still have a six pack. I'm, I did it the right way. I slowly gained the weight. My blood work looks awesome. Stress management, uh, all the, you know, testosterone slowly, but surely comes back up post-show cortisol levels drop back down, which is the stress hormone. So I did everything right this time. And it was cool because that was a big focus for me to your point. Like when I sat, and this is a big tip for any guy who's married that wants to do something extremely like this, I sat my wife down first. That was the first person I told I wanted to do a show. It's Like, hey, I'm going to embark down this again. Like, is that are you good with this? And uh, she supported me in it, but her first question was, "Why you you are yeah. like healthy and lean? Like, what's the point?" And I told her, I was like, "Well, you know, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but um, we had a, a big surgery in the family coming up that was pretty scary, and ended up having two procedures. Um, we were." trying to move at the time out of state, we're no longer moving, but we were going through some different stuff moving. And we had some issues with builders and a lawsuit and all kinds of crazy stuff, which that didn't happen until I started prepping. Uh, The surgeries would have been during prep. I had to run my business still. I still had a family to take care of. There was a lot going on, right? And so my thought was, that's why. And she was so confused at first. And I'm like, you know, our whole thing is we help average people achieve above average results. And if I can show them, you know, and this is my whole, I I got all these people uh, all worked up I actually recorded a video about it yesterday because I said, trainers, you have no excuse not to be in shape. And like a bunch of people reposted, somebody made a reel about it and they had a big following and were like, I don't agree with this. And there was like half of these people saying, yeah, that's right. And half the people's, which honestly, I think a lot of them, they're a little insecure. And so they speak out on it. And this doesn't mean you got to be shredded. But my whole thing is this, if I'm a trainer and I'm going to show up this way, I'm going to run a company full of trainers, coaches, I got to live at a certain standard and hold myself to a certain standard because the people that hire us, they're struggling to hold themselves to a high enough standard to stay in shape year round, not shredded, but in shape. And so if they can't rely on and trust us to keep, up with a high standard as well how are they going to trust us to keep them to a higher standard right for me i was like i'm going to take it to the extreme just to prove to people if i can get on stage and i can deal with all this stress and i can run the business successfully and i can manage my family and i can do everything i need to do then you can lose 10 pounds you can lose 20 pounds you can lose however much weight you want you don't need to get on stage but if i can do this you can do that, right? And that's what I accomplished, man. Um, I got second place in my class and uh, which I wasn't going for any type of award or medal or anything, but I was pumped to come home with some material. I got a lot of people excited about their, their journeys and I got a lot of people reaching out to me saying, I'll never step on stage, but you documenting this and showing me this and leading by example for the company helped me push through when I didn't have the motivation to do so. People were signing up for coaching because they saw me doing this too. And it was like, that was my whole intention and goal. And so, yeah, it's funny because the exact, the biggest excuse or the biggest list of excuses I had not to do it was the exact reason why I did do it.
0: Essentially, Yeah. It's like the old, you know, Joseph Campbell quote, the treasure you seek is in the cave that you fear to enter. Right. Mm. And ultimately the things that we want to do least when the deck is stacked against us is exactly why we need to do it. And I love that you tell that story of why you did it with all these different things, not to hijack that at all, but like, you know, I had a couple clients of mine that were pushing really hard for fat loss cuts through the holidays. And well, I I took a trip to Miami, you know, I had a great time at the very beginning of November. I'm like, you know what? I've got a business trip coming up in Mexico in a couple of weeks. I'm like, if you're going to dial in right now and like, you're going to stay on track, like I'll do it with you. And so right now, like, again, I'm in the middle of a cut all the way through, you know, through Christmas, through the holidays, like the most difficult time of year to do it. But I felt personally like, you know, I've been very lean before, but I'm like, I've got to put myself in there under these new circumstances, being a father, having a business, being in my mid thirties, when all these challenges are around. And the biggest thing for me has been like, yeah, like I have to lead by that example, because how can I expect anybody else to follow my lead as a coach if I'm not willing to put my own ass on the line and live true to that example? Right now, I think that's really important for coaches. Frankly, anybody who's a coach who's upset about you saying that they probably shouldn't be a coach. That's my personal opinion about it, because it's all about holding a standard and you cannot run a business. You cannot run anything in life if you're not willing to set the example for that standard. Right. Like you're
1: in the wrong line of work. Hundred percent, man, and that's exactly how I looked at it too. was like, look, like I have empathy for those who are going through hormone issues and, and weight losses, more difficult, and so on and so forth. You signed up to be a coach. That means you have a standard to hold. You have a role and responsibility that you took on as to say, I'm going to do this year round to my best ability. Now, look, I had uh, so two. I think it was two years ago, 2022. I uh, I was actually I did a cut, and I remember actually getting into a cut and then going into a diet break for a little bit and then restarting because I had so much going on. But my daughter was born with a kidney defect. So she had a uh, life-threatening kidney issue that she had to have surgery on, but she had to grow enough before they could actually safely do the surgery. And that year, maybe it was 2021. Either way, it was it was when she had that surgery. I couldn't even be in the hospital because of COVID, right? They would only allow one parent. And I'll never forget pulling up and my daughter getting out of the car at 5 a.m. to go to a surgery she has no idea what's going on she's three and she's going dad are you coming and I'm like trying not to cry and just I'm like I'll be I'll see you soon You'll be fine, sweetie. And then like the door shuts and I just start bawling, like trying to find a place to park. I sat on top of a parking garage in Seattle, downtown waiting for my wife to call me and say that it went well because she didn't have service in the place for hours. So she's alone. Yeah. I'm, it was terrible. Nonetheless, I did this cut. I went through it. I stayed lean that whole year. Lean as in like I'm not shredded, but I'm healthy, right? That's what we're talking about here, right? I had that going on. I moved houses. COVID was present. So we were trying to navigate the business. Like I get what it's like. But again, if I can get through it, then I can look at my client and actually say, I get it. I understand. And I'm going to show you what I did to make sure that I kept true to my promises, right? And I fulfilled the goals I had. And that's going to give them faith in how I guide them. And they're going to have more buy-in because at the end of the day, if I can help instill that self-belief, they're 10 times more likely to accomplish their goals. Because we know that the more often you set goals, whether it's literally as simple as I'm going to make sure I take out the trash this week on time. So my wife doesn't have to worry about it. If I say that and I don't do it, that's one check for self-doubt because I just, I just lied to myself. I just didn't do what I said I would do. But if I do that, that's one check for self-belief. And the more often I bank on these little wins by setting these mini goals of tasks, actions, people I'm going to reach out to, things I tell people I'll do for them. The more I follow through, the more self-belief I have in myself. So when a big goal comes along or a big task happens, I'm way more likely to actually do the work because I've built up that self-belief, not the self-doubt.
0: Yeah. I think that's how you really stack success. You make promises to yourself and you keep them and gradually you just get better and better and better. Now you mentioned a couple of times, some incredibly stressful times in your life and way to go for you for being able to navigate that. I can only imagine how difficult You know, those moments were. And stress does play a huge role in hormones and these components. I feel like in fitness, we, you know, people want to go into a box. It's all about calories, it's all about hormones. I think anybody who really understands what they're doing understands that there's an interplay of both, whereas the hormonal environment that you have impacts how your body absorbs, uses different calories where you can't just throw things into a calculator on whatever website and be like, Hey, this is my maintenance. So when you have somebody that's dealing with high stress and high stress, for example, coming off of a, off of doing a show at that point, like what specific barometers are you looking for? How do you proactively reduce stress? And what impact does that have from a physiological perspective on how somebody's going to be able to lose weight, gain muscle, optimize health?
1: Yeah. So it's a really good question. You framed it perfectly, man. I think that there is a big confusion here. And the truth is, is, is like you said, your hormones can definitely dictate the whole equation of seco, right? Calories in versus calories out. How many calories you burn, as well as, you know, how many calories you store as fat versus how low your deficit actually has to be. So sometimes people have hormone issues. It's not because calories in versus calories out doesn't stop working at that point. If you have, for example, hypothyroidism, there's a slowdown of the thyroid, therefore a slowdown of the metabolism, which means you're probably gonna have to go into a bigger deficit to lose weight. Sometimes that is like Hashimoto's. It's a, it's a autoimmune related issue. I might not be able to do much about your thyroid at that point, but in another case, we might be able to improve your thyroid and your hormone health to later on get you to a place where you can more easily diet because you don't have to go so low in your calories. But again, they both matter, right? No matter what. So in the state of you know, post show or post extreme diet, let's say the biggest things that I'm looking at in, in that regard for me as a male is going to be testosterone and cortisol, right? Testosterone is going to be the the big one for the guys as far as strength, muscle, um, a little bit of metabolism and fat loss and such. But a lot of it is going to be your motivation, your willpower, discipline, stuff like that. There's a big carryover there. Um, and then the ability to rebuild muscle tissue or maintain muscle tissue. Cortisol being the stress hormone um, is, is interesting. Uh, I think that You know, we did a research review uh, with our chief science officer on staff, and uh, I was expecting more carryover to be, there is a link with cortisol being chronically elevated and I believe the T4 to T3 conversion or T3 to T4 conversion being negatively impacted. And that may cause a slowdown in metabolism. Most research actually points to the fact that the biggest issue or the biggest, um, I should say byproduct for cortisol being high in terms of fat accumulation or fat gain is not your body storing more fat because truthfully cortisol is a, uh, it's a fuel utilization hormone. So you actually burn fuel in, in fat and people don't know that. It's also why you may potentially burn muscle or proteins if you have elevated cortisol for too long. Stress is high, obviously, if cortisol is high. Sleep is bad. That can be an issue. Um, so it's a lot of indirect things, right? If, you're, if your stress is super high, your sleep might be poor, and then your adherence might be poor, your testosterone might drop. There's a lot of indirect things because cortisol causes issues that lifestyle issues that later on cause uh, stuff. But- the biggest point that we found was it was a lack of adherence that led to over consuming in the diet. So most of the time, if you don't handle cortisol post diet, the most likely reason you're going to regain weight is because you're just going to overeat calories because you're stressed out and you're craving things. So for me, the things that I made sure to do was leading into the tail end of the show is is minimize my work load, specifically right after the show. So I was actually working normal hours quite a bit because. That kept me busy and it kept me focused and it kept me motivated because I was documenting a lot of what I was doing. But I actually took a good amount of time post-show to make sure that I could get a couple extra hours of sleep, I had time to go to like an infrared sauna, go get a massage, I was doing some kind of recovery modality once a week. And I, I brought my calories up pretty quickly, primarily through carbs, not as much fats, simply because fats are more likely to store fat. Glycogen is gonna be more likely stored as glycogen. It doesn't mean fat's bad for you, but that's the main reason I did that. And I didn't minimize carbs cardio, but I dropped cardio a decent amount, about 25% and then 50%. And then I kept some in just for health markers. Um, And then I tracked things uh, with my biofeedback. I tracked digestion because that can easily get thrown off. I tracked my hours of sleep more diligently. I started tracking my blood glucose uh, right after the show because I wasn't super worried about becoming insulin resistant or anything. But one of the reasons why blood glucose can be elevated is because of elevated cortisol and stress levels. So if I saw that my blood glucose was really high and it wasn't coming back down or improving. Same thing with blood pressure. Not as often I have to check that. But if I didn't see that that was coming down, that was an issue right now. I don't really have to worry about it because I successfully reversed diet and we finished it. I'm not going to continue tracking blood glucose forever, but it's a good way to tell like, okay, I'm doing the right things, you know, and, and of course you can get blood work done. But I also set myself up for a post diet, a post show diet that wasn't indulging, right? The number one thing uh, mistake people make when they do a show is they stock up on like the seasonal Oreo flavors and all these different <laughs> things. I didn't do any of that. My wife wanted to know what I wanted for uh, a meal post-show and I told her like there's this um, Italian thing she cooks. Uh, she's Italian. So like it's it's really it's like Tuscany garlic style chicken, but it's all really healthy. It's like, yeah, it's, dude, it's so good. And it's got like it's a crockpot tomato, uh, but it's like a certain kind of tomato. I can't remember what it's called. It comes in little jars and they're like dried tomatoes. And then it's like artichoke and, and basil and garlic. But it's like there's no added oils and fats and sugars and stuff like that. And I just wanted that with some rice that was cooked in like chicken broth. Right. Because if you've never done that, it it tastes like it's amazing. uh, It's amazing. It tastes kind of like top ramen. And I just wanted a good meal like that. Right. And then I made like a creamy at night, like a protein cream. I was like, I'm going to do the night of the show. Right. So I can sleep. I can wake up and then we're going to go get barbecue. And then I ended up not being able to get barbecue because there was traffic and my, <laughs> and and my daughter were sitting in the car for too long. So we went to yeah. a burger joint, a restaurant, and I wanted to get this sloppy joe because they've been on television for their sloppy joe and it's super famous. They ran out of all the ingredients. All right, God Come doesn't on, want man. me to get a cheat meal. So I was like, let me just get a salad, man. It's fine. Um, but, <laughs> but no, I, I set myself up in a way where I was like, okay, like I know where my calories are going to go afterwards. I know what the reverse diet plan is. I'm already putting out there. I'm going to record this and document it so people can see how it's done. I got my metrics to track and I had a plan before the plan was done, you know, so a plan for after the plan essentially, and that allowed me to avoid that post show weight gain. And part of that plan was the recovery, was the extra sleep, was bringing workload down a little bit, was increasing my calories quick enough, but not too rapidly. All those things led to a better stress management post-show as well.
0: No, oh, that's incredible. And, um, you know, you did it the right way. You know, before you alluded to twenty one, twenty two, your first show, all-inclusive on the back end. You know, I remember the first time I really got like photo shoot lean. It's by 24, 25. I was in New York with a bunch of buddies, had a great time, did our shoot. I took a red eye on the way before I'm like, Hey, this will help in terms of stress and, uh, you know, water depletion (laughs) backfired a little bit, but anyway, then we ate and drank through the city. I came back and I had like, you know, 11 pounds of just like crap and fat and inflammation after that word. And, And same thing, right? Like, Suppressions in terms of testosterone levels, all of these different things, and so I learned from that mistake. I do it much better now. And so when you're starting a reverse diet, like just set a couple of baseline parameters, just as a general, like where were your calories around at the very tail end of your cut before you're getting on stage?
1: Yeah, so my calories got down to seventeen hundred, and so for me that's really low. Um, but for people listening to, I'm <laughs> five nine, five, 10, and I I'm one hundred and seventy. 172 pounds. So I stepped on stage at about 160, um, which is r- the lightest I've been in a long time. But when you get on stage, you're always lighter than you think you're going to be. Like I'm like, yeah, I'll probably yeah. step on stage at like 165 at the lightest. And then you end up weighing in at 159 or something. You're like, whoa. That was 1700 calories. And mind you, I was also eating like 240 grams of protein at the end, which is yeah. far more than I need. So I'm not promoting that as a year round diet. But when you're that lean, going at about 1.2 to 1.3 five grams per pound has been shown to improve muscle maintenance in an extreme deficit. Um, And also it's just hunger. Like you're just hungry and that can make sure that you stay full on a diet. So I was definitely on a really high protein diet. So my carbs are down like a hundred my fats were at like thirty five to forty on some days. And I was also doing seven days of cardio, fifty minutes. So like it's a lot, right? And that's at the tail end. Now my calories are just under three thousand. So it was like twenty eight hundred, I think, right now. And we're just now entering. So we just finished what we would call the health phase or the reverse diet full, full reverse diet. And now we're stepping into like a bulk phase. So we're bumping up training volume. We're probably going to start bumping up calories. I'm going to try to put on some size, but yeah, that's, I mean, over a thousand calories, uh, that I've added to my diet while lowering protein a bit.
0: Yeah, and that's over the course of about eight weeks, correct? To get you back up to, I'm very similar to you. I normally walk around 5'9", 175 to 180. I'm actually at around 1,700 calories right now. So I'm in the Hurt Locker just like you were at that point. But I've got a shorter cut than you do. So we probably won't have to reverse quite as much. But I think that provides a a really good contextual perspective of like, yeah, he was at 1,700 going through this cut and gradually ramping up is the key. It's not blowing everything out of the water because really what happens, I, I always like to use this analogy that you don't really lose fat cells. Your fat cells shrink down, right? And so when you go post diet, essentially what happens if you just blow everything out, it's like all these cells are just taking in everything. It's like filling up a garbage bag and your body's hyper receptive to fat gain when your calories have been low, especially for a prolonged period of time or the more aggressive that it is, right? There's a biological cost to your dieting. And so for a lot of people, even if they're not getting say, for example, trying to get lean to go on a stage, but we see people doing extreme diets for 30 days, for 60 days, and then they have these massive swings of weight gain come back in. Well, the reason is, first, our body's hyper receptive to it. And then the hormonal environment that we create makes it likely that our body's not going to be able to partition a lot of these nutrients quite as well. And that's one of the big areas that I see people really get stuck. They see an aggressive diet, they see a challenge, and they apply it for far too long and then they just go completely off. And that's where people set up that really dangerous yo-yo of massive weight gain.
1: Yeah, 100%. And You know, they, they only have studies on rats to show this, but there's a lot of commonalities between rodents and us whether people realize it or not and uh, <laughs> at least when we're talking about studies you know like protein and fat metabolism and stuff yeah um and so sometimes what they see with this especially when we're talking yo-yo dieting like that right people lose a bunch of weight and then they rapidly gain it back is uh, potentially body fat hyperplasia so not only do these fat cells grow but at that point hyperplasia would mean they multiply and so the person goes through that and they're like okay i learned my lesson i'm gonna diet again why is it so hard to lose this fat uh, this time versus last time well maybe there was some body fat hyperplasia now you're not just shrinking those same fat cells you had now you're shrinking more fat cells because you didn't just grow them you multiplied them and you're not going to just burn like you said you're not going to just burn off those new ones you have to shrink them knowing that science is really important for people because it reminds you of how important it is to get out of the diet the right way and although you shouldn't go so slow that you don't recover any biofeedback i also think you shouldn't go so fast because there's there's kind of these there's two camps with it right there's the camp of like there's no point in reverse dieting slow because is you're just going to gain the same amount of weight back anyway. You might as well get it done so you can return to maintenance and improve your health. But on the other side, it's a slippery slope. So the likelihood of somebody being able to increase their calories to a higher degree without fitting in a bunch of those like Ben and Jerry calories and stuff like that, which are not only inaccurate, but also could potentially lead to more overeating because it's trigger food, right? And it's not very satiating. That's probably going to lead to overeating rather than keeping some control in place by having a little bit of a slower, more gradual reverse after the cut. And I'd also even just say that, there's a lot of people that talk about this fast uh, approach to reverse dieting, and they are bodybuilders. So when we're talking to like everyday people who just want to get pretty dang lean, you don't need to worry about that because your hormones probably didn't crash nearly as bad as somebody like mine who went on stage. There's always kind of this place, you know. I like to say maintenance isn't a set point; it's a it's a moving range, it's a moving target. So if we get done with a competition or a photo shoot or a mini cut or just a casual weight loss plan. No matter what, we're gonna step out of that with a range of calories that our new maintenance is at. And so I think everybody should kind of move to the bottom end of that range right away because that initially starts improving the hormones and the biofeedback that may have declined from the diet and then you can gradually move up slowly within that maintenance range to more carefully find the actual place you need to land at versus overshooting and then gaining fat. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: definitely. And such a smart approach to be able to to take it in that direction. Now, at this point, you've reversed out for eight weeks and now you're going into a lean bulking phase what is the timeline on that? Do you set out a much longer timeline where you're looking to build lean muscle, given how long it takes compared to fat loss? Like what is your approach?
1: Much longer. Um, which is, it's funny, man. It's, it's, I always say it's ironic that like the longer you commit to lifting and the better you get at lifting, the longer it takes to get the result <laughs> from what you do, which is, uh, unfortunate, but, uh, it's a slow process. So the plan is actually to literally lean bulk this entire year. Um, I will probably put, um, still working with the coach. I find myself way more productive when I have somebody to report to and it's kind of collaborating on the adjustments and such. So I have, uh, we're going to plan on doing probably two mini cuts at some point just to make sure I don't overshoot body fat. But there's also a, g- a good amount of research now showing that, you know, you don't need to be in a huge surplus to build muscle. Probably better off taking a slower approach and having a smaller surplus. You might not gain as much total weight, but you'll gain just as much actual muscle because the stress applied through the training is what builds the muscle. You know, eating is just going to recover from the volume you do in the gym and the training you do. So my plan is to try try to build muscle over the course of the year, maybe take, uh, like I said, one or two mini cuts at, uh, throughout the year just to keep things in check. I've always really loved bodybuilding, even though we don't prep a lot of competitors. I do have a few, but most people we work with is like, we call them advanced gen pop. So they're the gen pop, the average people, but they like listening to nerdy podcasts like mine and these conversations and reading articles and stuff like that. So a little bit above average with regards to how advanced they are, or how general they are, but I've always loved bodybuilding. And so I caught the bug and I was, I was like, you know, I'm going to compete again. And, uh, my plan is to based on feedback from the judges and my coach and, and some other coaches that had no reason to blow smoke on my ass. Uh, I'm going to, my goal is to try to go pro in 2025. So that's what I'm training for. So I'm like dialed in. And the way I looked at, it was like, how would a pro train, recover, eat, sleep, live in an off season. And so I'm treating it that way. And I actually carried it into other areas of my life too. I was like, man, well, how would a, a pro CEO be? You know, how would a pro dad be? And I, um, so it's been cool, but, um, but the plan is to gain all year and then start looking for a show in 2025. I love that.
0: And it's important to have that long view. You know, I had a great conversation with good friend, Brandon Hale. Um, he gained upwards of 60 pounds over the course of about 18 months, incredible podcast that we did on that. He really went into detail, but he's like, you know, the biggest thing is the timeline is the most important thing that you can set when it comes to your expectations and the results that you're looking for, which runs contrary to the way that most of us want to operate, to the way that the world really positions us to operate when everything is quick fix, dopamine hit, let's get the results now, let's get done. Uh, But it's great to hear that you have that long view and you can apply it not just to your body, but how would a CEO function? How would a great father function? And this idea of going pro, shout out to Pressfield, I think is a great way to really roll forward into the new year. Cody, this has been an incredible conversation. Where can we find out more about you?
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on. This is a blast. Uh, So uh, I put content out just about everywhere, man. Um, Instagram at Cody McBroom, uh, threads at Cody McBroom, YouTube, we are doing shorts every day, uh, just about, and uh, we do a YouTube vlog where I actually document a lot of what this is. That's basically what the YouTube is: is my reverse diet, my show prep. Now we're going lean bulk um, once a week, and that's just Cody McGroom on YouTube podcast, Tailored Life podcast, and everything else is Tailored Coaching Method. That's the company, and where we put out a, a lot of the the content as far as like free articles and, and uh, podcasts and all that kind of stuff is all hosted um, there at the TailoredCoachingMethod.com website. Awesome, thank you, brother. Thank you, man.
0: Hey, it's Eric here again. Now, there are three ways that I can help you look great naked. Number one, if you want to grab a free copy of the Look Great Naked Protocol to help you lose body fat without counting calories, then go to bockperformance.com backslash free training. Number two, if you're a busy guy looking to build muscle, then I recommend checking out our Minimalist Muscle Blitz, which has helped over 1,000 men build muscle without living in the gym. Just go to minimalistmuscleblitz.com. The link will also be available in the show notes. Or number three, and last, if you want to work with me directly and get the best results possible, apply at bachperformance.com backslash coaching to look great naked without living in the gym. Until next time, my friend.